Hi, welcome back to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony here in Broward County. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of our most recent podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about an important uh, kind of new wave of investigating, uh, investigative practices and some of the things we've been really pushing forward and supporting here in the agency when it comes to finding that stagnant old justice, that case that's sitting around where some criminal uh, is either skated through justice because of lack of DNA evidence, lack of investigative uh, reports that can lead us to have that type of success of apprehension and the rest. And so I can't think of anyone better to have on the show today uh, than who my special guest will be. I'll introduce her in just a second. But, you know, you all noticed there's been times where I've had guests from within the agency, from outside the agency internal partners, external partners. Today, we're standing house. This is one of our own. This is uh, our sergeant, Sergeant Cammie Floyd, who's been with the organization going back as far as really our law enforcement since 2002. Um, she has really taken a great initiative to diving into some of these cold cases and making sure that families are getting justice. I can highlight just really quickly some of her accomplishments. She started her law enforcement career back in 2002 with a lot of her police department attending the Broward Police Academy and then worked role patrol for seven years. She quickly became a field training officer, assisting all the new officers. That's such a key role in any organization and then became a certified diver. But I don't want to dive too much and steal her thunder. So I'm going to let Sergeant Floyd talk a little bit about herself and what launched her in her career and how she arrived on these cold cases. So Sarge, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sheriff. <laughs> so um, I've always enjoyed serving the community. Uh, for many years during college, I was a lifeguard through high school as a lifeguard. And in doing that, I saw that um, being with kids and the results that I could make in the community, I decided I wanted to be a law enforcement officer and, and try to serve the community that way. So I went through training and um, quickly uh, during road patrol learned that I love training other new deputies and officers and mm -hmm. had a lot of interest in investigations, particularly sex crimes, child abuse, those types of investigations interest me. And uh, I went through training and learned how to be a detective and started training other detectives, wanted to expand my career and came over to the large agency of BSO. Awesome. So, you know, one of the more glamorized units that we have in terms of what we see on TV all the time is the special victims unit. And I guess we can thank law and order for that one. Right. The dun dun. Everyone knows that. But tell them a little bit about what's actual and what does the special victims unit do on a daily basis? The special victims unit handles everything from child abuse, sex crimes, animal abuse, elderly abuse um, and here at BSO, we are very, very busy. Um, thousands of cases a year come through the Special Victims Unit. And with that, we, in the recent years, have added the additional task of cases that were unsolved. So um, not only the new cases that come in, but the old ones are our large task in getting medical reports and, and trying to interview children and get them to disclose things that have happened to them can be a very difficult task, but BSO is very successful and we strive to, to help our victims in the best way we can. No, that's awesome. And, you know, I joked a little bit about the law and order 
Special Victims Unit because I love that series. And one of my favorite characters is Sergeant Olivia Benson. And she ain't got nothing on you, by the way. So let's let's dive into kind of a informal conversation you and I had or almost indirect because things trickle down. When I came into the organization, you know, I got a lot of support and guidance from Colonel John Hell, who leads up professional standards and investigations. And he said, Sheriff, look, we got tons of cases, just cold case files stacked up and our folks need the support. And I said, hey, green light, make it happen. Do what you guys do. And then. Something happened. Something happened big. Uh, you start diving into cases. And let's talk a little bit about the pillowcase rapist and some of the backbone work, the long hours, the attention to detail that you provided to uh, get some closure in that case. Let's start there. Um, it actually started with uh, trying to decide how many cold cases we had um, that could be looked into. And in doing that, we were looking into what sexual assault kits could and could not be retested based on the new technology. And that was the first battle. Uh, hundreds of sexual assault kits that uh, were looked at could not be retested. Uh, the samples have degraded over the years. Um, they were taking blood samples and some of the vials that the blood samples were in would break in the packages and it would ruin the evidence. Um, so the first thing we did was retest hundreds and hundreds of sexual assault kits. And we were able to close hundreds of cases as a result of these tests. And in doing that, uh, when we were able to get a DNA hit, um, the actual case file had to be located. And they were in our archive unit, about 500 boxes of cases sitting there for years and years. And they had to be located so that these cases could be prosecuted. And in doing that, we located a article about the pillowcase rapists. And I was aware that Miami was also working um, their cases. And together we started searching to see which cases we could find, which- Let, let me let me interject for just a second. I wanna pause because um, like any good sergeant, you're always resorting and going back to we and our team and here's what we've done. I wanna talk about specifically, uh, how many case files boxes did you end up going through uh, within this? Because it was some unprecedented, ridiculous number that came up in our command staff meeting. How many, how many boxes did you there are five There are 500 boxes uh, that were in our archive unit. Some of the boxes didn't contain cases, but the majority of them did. And each box probably contained anywhere between 50 to 500 cases. And wow. I didn't do this alone. I had help by Detective Tim Metz. I have to reach out and- There you go. I, I knew you were gonna give, I, I, listen, like a good sergeant would do, you give your people a shout out. Uh, but that's just really impressive. Like really attention to detail, talks about the commitment. And I, I didn't want you to just glance over that. You, you have to tell these people how intricate uh, that assessment was. You know, that that's thousands of different documents collectively, thousands and thousands of pages and Pick up where you where you just left off when I, I can tell just, you we would check out probably about ten boxes um, at a time and take them home with us and you know you'd be sitting at the dinner table with your kids as they're doing their homework and you're sitting there reading cases every single case had to be pulled out and read um, they were on carbon copies so a lot of them those carbon copies degraded we had trouble reading them. Uh, so we had to go back and locate the sexual assault reports to see if it matched and in, if if we could match the MO to the pillowcase rapist. So there was a lot of 
a lot of reading <laughs> and, and going through these and looking at pictures and seeing if we could match anything to the pillowcase rape. So you were literally at home cooking up the plates for the kids, helping them with schoolwork, and then going through, at the same time, going through cases all in your home. Yes, sir. Did you put in for overtime? Don't answer that question. Uh, let's <laughs> let's move along. So you, you start the basics. You start going through the boxes. You're looking at the different potentials. And then that led into what? Uh, we identified um, a couple that, that we thought matched. Um, one in particular had, had everything that we believed would be the pillowcase rapist. And initially, I located the sexual assault kit that was still in our evidence and learned that these samples in the evidence kit were so degraded, we could not uh, use them for DNA testing. And that was a major disappointment. Um, luckily, our DNA manager, Karen Crenshaw, was able to locate specimens from that same case that were collected back in the 80s and they were reserved in the, or preserved, I'm sorry, in the um, freezer and their mm -hmm. evidence and we were able to use those to test and we had a positive match on our suspect robert kohler wow how much can you tell us about the suspect's history and and some of the things that you were able to discover about how dangerous this individual really was and you know this this is probably something where although you solve some cases there may be some things out there that's yet to come to the surface i would say um he was dangerous because he's smart he was smart in which victims he chose, and he was smart in the research he did to decide which which victims he he committed these crimes on. He, I would say, at least forty cases where he couldn't be identified because he was so careful about the way he entered every single one of these houses. And back then, that worked great because we didn't have the DNA that we could test. But today, not so smart because he was leaving behind his DNA on his victims. Right. So thank God for technology. Yeah. <laughs> thank God for the advancements in science and what we're doing now. That's that's crucial because, uh, like I said, people like that. And you're saying he's an intelligent criminal. He knew how to get around it and not leave too much evidence in the sense of um, the time and era in which he was operating. But I'm glad you know you were able to resolve that. Now, so that's one particular case that a clear indication of success, like outstanding work, bravo. Uh, I've told you privately, I'll tell you publicly, I think that you're a rock star. I think that was just phenomenal. Any big cases that you're working on right now where you're hoping to get the same kind of resolution uh, when it comes to using DNA, investigating, and um, moving forward with getting some justice for people that's been waiting for a long time? Well, now I'm in the um, crime scene unit. So the biggest thing that's going on here is we're starting to look at DNA of relatives. Um, so we have cold cases that have been sitting, um, missing persons cases where they're, we can't identify who they are. Uh, we found body remains. We don't know whose bodies they are. And um, sex crimes where they were never solved because we have a DNA profile, but we don't know whose it is. So now we're working on trying to locate family members of that DNA profile and backtrack and try to see who it was that committed that crime simply by identifying who those family members are. And this is going to be a new breakthrough throughout the country. Um, everybody's going to start trying a bit. But, but here at BSO, 
we're diving into this and, and coming January, we're really going to start working on, on these types of cases. And I think we're going to get some huge results. Yeah, that's excellent. And we're on the path of at some point, because we're working with the county right now on building out a new forensic science center. Um, and I've seen some of the plans for that. So eventually you'll have a new home to operate out of and work with some of the different uh, crime scene folks. You know, one of the things I, I'm in my 16th year in law enforcement and I've always had this. What are some of the toughest calls to handle? And to me, it's always been something with kids and uh, of course, anything where there's like a sexual assault. How are you able to manage that? Because you're in the really deep part of it, because one thing for it's one thing for a patrol deputy to go on scene, take a case, quick report, but they're not sitting there for hours processing evidence, looking at photos, um, taking interview statements. Talk about the mental toll that takes on some of the investigators, including yourself. Well, I can tell you it definitely changed the way I parent. <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, it's solving the cases that helps me through it. I, I'm my commitment to solving it and having the success and seeing the relief on the victim's face. Um, some of the children that I've had over the years and at the end of interviewing them and they find out that the suspect has been arrested, the, the relief that just goes through their body and they give you a great big hug and you feel like, you know what, I did my job today and I can go home and know that somebody's gonna live a better life in the future. And because of that, it, it keeps you going. Um, cause if you don't solve that case, you do, you hold on to it. It's heavy and you wonder every day, could I have done more? Um, so giving it a hundred percent is, is what gets you through every single one of those cases. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I can recall when we did the press conference for the pillowcase rapist and one of the media, uh, folks in attendance had posed a question about what it meant to you. Uh, and why it was important. And I can see you about that. You were tearing up um, and holding back about how important it is for you to find that justice for folks. So uh, haven't spent time with you on the road, haven't humped calls with you, but seeing that told me a lot about you and your commitment to this profession and finding justice. So I love the fact that I get a chance to support you, you know, and help you do the things that are uh, vital for this community. So for those of you who are slipping in here in the backside, let me just give you an update. Uh, today, we were talking to a special guest, one of our own, Sergeant Cammie Floyd, uh, about the importance of some of the work she's been doing within, within Special Victims Unit. Uh, we highlighted a case uh, with the pillowcase rapist, which solved a longstanding case where an individual who was out in our community committing one of the worst atrocities you can, uh, stealing stealing people's privacy in their bodies and as far as I see it. Um, you heard some of the more technical details. You probably were like, man, are we on law and order? Is this Sergeant Olivia Benson? And no, because Sergeant Benson doesn't have anything on Sergeant Floyd. So thank you so much for joining us on Shop Talk with the Sheriff, Sarge. Proud of you. Excellent work. Keep it going. Thank you, sir. And to everyone, thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember to follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's me. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you get early alerts for every new episode. In the meantime, stay safe, be humble, and try to love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself.